Hey there, NRL 22 fans. We've got a really exciting podcast for you today. I've got Jared Howell and Boyd Linder with me as my guests. And before we get started here, I'm just going to ask you all to do me a big favor. I want you to open up an email and in the two bar, I want you to type in podcast at nrl22.org. And that way, when you're listening to the podcast today, if you have any questions that come to mind, you can just pop them in that email and send them off at the end of the podcast. We're going to Give that a try and see if uh, see if you guys have any good questions for me. So without any further ado, we'll just start in alphabetical order if that's okay with you guys today. So uh, we'll go by we'll go by last name. So I'm gonna go ahead and let uh, you introduce yourself first, Jared. So my name is Jared Howell. I'm out of Northern Utah. Uh, I'm a California transplant. So once I got up here and learned that there was freedom still in this country. I uh, picked up some guns and started shooting. Uh, right around 1819 is when I started to finally uh, break into the, the competition world, like find my way in. Uh, I started shooting a lot of center fire and then found my way into the NRL 22 through the, the Hobble Creek match down with Jim Cannon. Uh, and that became a lot of fun and, and rather all encompassing in my life. Um, um, met, <laughs> met Boyd uh, a couple of years ago and, and we've, uh, we've been traveling a little bit together and kind of started uh, uh, enjoying this together, but uh, it is, like I said, all encompassing and, and uh, quite a bit of time uh, uh, spent with the rifles and the guns and, and meeting new people. And this community is just absolutely outstanding. And I think we, uh, we, we come for the shooting, but we definitely stay for, for all the friends and, and, and new family that we make. Completely, completely relate to that. That's funny. A little bit, a little bit of travel, you guys. Uh, just a, just a bit lately. So, um, Boyd, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I'm sorry. I should have introduced him as Boyd, the hair lender. <laughs> well, there you have it. Boyd, the hair lender officially, I guess, or unofficially. So yeah, my name is Boyd Linder. I am also from Utah. I live in the Salt Lake Valley. Uh, I've been, I think this is going on to my fifth year of precision rifle shooting. Um, I'm kind of addicted. So if there's a match in a trigger, I'm going to pull it. Like Jared said, I met him a few years ago. Um, and just like everybody else that or the most people we've met in this community, he's a pretty good guy. And I kind of hang out with him a bit. <laughs> yeah. So my, my first question that I thought of when I knew I was going to have you guys on this podcast was, what in the world possessed you to drive from Utah to Minnesota to, to shoot an <laughs> So whose idea was it, first of all? I, I instigated <laughs> that when we were, like <laughs> we were in Colorado and I said, uh, I'm like, what are you doing October, whatever it was, 26th? And he looked at me and he said, I think I'm driving with you to Minnesota. And that's about how it started. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Um, it was, a, it was a, a first night match for both of us, I believe. And uh, with the Halloween theme and everything we've heard about you and Justin, it was it was just like, let's do it. You know, and, and there we there we went. Yeah, it was fun having you guys there uh, for sure. I know I think I don't know if Boyd reached out and said that you guys were coming. And I told Justin we hit the big time. Because you guys, <laughs> you're setting the bar low. If that's the big time, 
was good stuff. It was, uh, it was fun too. That was a, an interesting, interesting experience for us as match directors to night matches or something, something else for sure. Um, and not only did you go the once, but you came back a second time. That's a uh, pretty, pretty impressive. And you drove the second, I don't think I'd do that drive twice. <laughs> we've, well, we've driven it twice, but I should say that Boyd has driven it twice. I have passengered twice. That's fair. Uh, Boyd, I don't know how, I don't know how you do. I did, I did the drive once from Salt Lake to Minnesota and it was, uh, less than, less than ideal. Uh, yeah. not, not big on the <laughs> Well, I, I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life and, uh, I'll probably make a few more. So I'm sure we'll see you in May. I don't know if I'll drive, but I'm sure we'll see you in May. <laughs> Well, yeah, we, I think, I think I saw it. Did you guys get registered yet for that match? Cause if not, you should. I did. I okay. did register. Yeah. Okay. So then we will see you in May is what you're saying. <laughs> I just don't, just don't know if I'm driving. Uh, okay. That's fair. So, uh, you know, Jared, you mentioned, you know, you got your start kind of in center fire. I'm assuming you meant 2017 or 2018, 2019, as opposed to at 18 or 19 years old, because. Yeah, not- yeah, it's 2018, <laughs> 19, somewhere around there. Yeah, so of the disciplines that you've, that you've been involved in, what's your current favorite and why? I, I love the X matches. I, I love that, that series. I mean, the monthlies are, are fantastic, They're, but the, the X matches being more challenging they're a little bit more reminiscent of the, uh, the center fire matches that we do also, which are very addicting and fun, but the, uh, the X match in the, in the, uh, the 22 series, that's, that's where my heart's at. I, I just love them. That's why we travel for so many of them, but that's the kind of shooting that I like the, the positional shooting, uh, just field style. Like obviously our match was very field style, not square range. Uh, and that's, that's the kind of train we're, we're blessed with a lot out here in the West. So those X matches we can travel to like that, that's, that's what I absolutely love. Yeah, I feel like traveling for matches has definitely made me grow as a shooter, especially getting out and shooting your guys's match and in that kind of uh, terrain is it was challenging um, in a whole different way. And so I like I like getting out and seeing different different areas of the country for those. That and there's 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 definitely different flavors for for matches and match directors and regions. You, you kind of see that it's it's much more than just the square range, you know, and then open field terrain. It's it's just the people and, and they they do things differently everywhere. It's all the same sport, but you you get to see a lot and you get to see a lot of new uh, uh, ideas, which is which is fun. Yeah, that's a really good point too. I didn't think about because we we don't have the uh, the hills and things like that. So if we want to do target acquisition, and we want to test people on that. We we have different methods of, of testing people on that than, um, than you guys have, which is an interesting, interesting approach. I'm, I'm excited that there's, uh, more people getting involved in hosting matches because it, it definitely pushes us as match directors and as shooters, um, which we were pretty excited about. So how about, how about you, Boyd, how did you first get started and which discipline, um, and then what's your current favorite? Um, I got started, Cause I had too much free time <laughs> and, and I Googled something. I thought long range shooting sounded pretty cool. Um, through that process, I made, met Jim, our local match director at Hobble Creek. 
And I signed up. My very first match was June 2019, the very first match of that season. And I was immediately hooked. Um, Obviously, I love positional shooting, but the community is what hooked me. At that same time, I was playing around with USPSA. And I went to one of those matches, and I just didn't have the the same kind of welcome, I guess. Um, no warm fuzzies there? <laughs> no, and I don't need a lot of warm fuzzies anyhow, but it, it was just a completely different experience. And so I was immediately hooked. And, and then shortly after that, I think I shot for a couple of months and I got Lexi, my daughter, in. And that changes the game. When you get to do it, you know, Ruth, when you get to shoot with people you love, um, that adds an extra bit of joy to it. So I'm kind of an all-in personality kind of guy. And so I went all in. <laughs> um, and as far as my favorite, I, I'd say the same thing. I, I love the X match format. Um, and I love it for, for all those reasons that Jared mentioned, but also because it is a national format and I do get to travel. I, I like that. I, I, the, I think that year that you were talking about the first year that we came out to your place, I shot 11 X matches and that was a lot of travel. And I met, I've met so many amazing people shooting this and, and really amazing families. I met you and, and, and Justin, obviously, and, and the powers family. Oh my goodness, man. If you don't know them, you're, you're missing out. Uh, but just really amazing people across this entire country. And so that's what I think kind of draws me. Um, and I, I love the competitive nature of the nationwide series, right? So I know I shoot a ton of matches. We've already discussed that. I know where I stand out here locally. And there's a lot of talent. I don't want to take away from that. There's a lot of talent out here in Utah. Uh, but I know where I stand. Um, I want to know where I stand in the nation and in the world. So that's soon what draws be, me. Soon to be finding out in the world, right, Boyd? Yep, soon to be. So, so that's what draws me in is the the competition across the world or across the nation and, and the people, right? You get to meet so many people that you don't you don't get to see on that regular basis. So when I go to nationals, it's uh reminiscent with all my old friends that I've met now across the country over the last year or so. Yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to that. It feels like uh, one big family and our, yeah. our squad from last weekend. So for those who don't know, I shot Boyd and Jared's match just last weekend, uh, the Utah's Rimfire Revival, and it was a ton of fun. Um, so I got squatted with a, a bunch of new people and a couple of people I've, I've shot with uh, many times before. And by the end of the match, I think we were on the time stage and I was like, hey, I love all you guys, but you're being kind of loud right now while I was on the clock. So I'm still firing. <laughs> I'm just going target to target. But I really meant it because this is such a such a, uh, you know, big family feel that I, I get the same thing when I go to a match. I just feel like it's a whole bunch of people um, that, you know, I haven't seen for a while. And, and it's a lot of fun. So big family atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so, Boyd, if you had to choose between um, your long rifle or air rifle, and you could only pick one, <laughs> which would you choose? And uh, uh, that's, 
I don't think I could choose. Thank goodness I don't have to choose. Um, I they, I love them both. Obviously, I I love to shoot, and I really I mean it. Like if there's a trigger, I pull it. Last year I shot 52 matches. Um, a bunch of those were center fire. I shot the hunter series. I shot rim fire. I shot air gun. I shot a couple major air gun events. Um, as far as my pocketbook is concerned, the air guns have been a little more friendly to me. Um, so, uh, but the, my rim fire is definitely where my heart is. Um, I'm shooting air all season. I've committed to shoot air all season for NRL matches. Uh, at least regular monthly NRL matches. Um, I'm coming for you, Justin. And <laughs> I, I'm doing that because I love the fact that it's new. We're literally in its infancy. And I feel like I get to be part of something that's changing and evolving. Um, and I feel like I, that's one way I can give back to the sport is kind of help put that out there on a pedestal and, and show people what, what can be done with it. And uh, so it's fun in that sense. It's definitely fun when you go and buy a whole big old thing of, of slugs and they are very inexpensive compared to many other things. Um, but I think if, if ultimately I had to choose, I would, I would go down kicking and screaming and I probably wouldn't choose one. That's fair. So for those who, because I, I've only ever shot an air rifle at nationals. I think in Nebraska, they had a side stage uh, yeah. from Utah air guns. And that was super cool. It was really fun for those of us who don't have a lot of experience with air rifle. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to shoot and you know, what are some of the pros and cons of the air rifle platform? So the pros would be it's easy to shoot in places that aren't firearm friendly. It's a non-regulated item. So technically I can shoot it in my backyard if I have the space. Um, the cost of ammunition is very inexpensive compared to other items. They're very quiet to shoot. Um, they're very friendly in the sense of our rim fires don't have a lot of recoil. The air rifles are very much similar to that, if not a little less. So new shooters, um, young shooters, it's a lot friendlier to get started with. Um, some of the cons would be the barrier to entry can be a little bit high if you compare it to like the base class rifles. So compared to our Voodoo's and our Remixes and our Annie's and such, it's very similar. Um, but compared to a base class rifle, there's some cost of, uh, of entry. Uh, another con would be the extra equipment you're hauling around. So I got to bring all my air with me. And that is usually in the form of an SCBA tank, similar to like firefighter would carry on his back or a scuba tank would be something else you guys are familiar with. Um, but other than that, it's very similar to a rimfire. The technology is rapidly advancing. The, the one I have just now, they released oh, about a month and a half ago, is ballistically very similar to a 22. It still is a little bit behind. So you're at a slight disadvantage still when you're making wind calls or you got to dial a little more elevation. But they're coming up quick. 
Awesome. Yeah. It's something that, um, you know, I, I would love to dabble in, but as Jared referred to earlier, this, the sport's kind of all consuming and it just kind of feels like another rabbit hole. I don't need to necessarily jump down at the moment. Um, but it's, it seems really cool. And I know there were two squads, I believe at your match, just straight air guns, which is, um, you know, kind of, kind of fun and, and interesting to watch and see for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's another rabbit hole. Um, that's one of the challenges I had last year with shooting so many different, um, weapon systems. And I'm trying to rein that in a little bit this year. Obviously my goals are a little more focused, but, uh, I am going to kind of stick with the air guns and the rimfire, uh, is my main objective for this year. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Boyd made the U S team, um, for the USPRA going to Italy for the world championship, uh, at the end of the summer this year. So good job, Boyd. Did you figure out what you're going to shoot yet? <laughs> ah, that's, there's a teaser there. Yeah. So, uh, so Boyd is in the factory class. Um, and I know our, our factory guys are still determining what platform they're going to run. So that'll be, that'll be fun and exciting, um, to hear when you guys get that all figured out. Um, so along those lines, Jared, you know, you mentioned that the sport is all consuming. You've obviously traveled across the country with Boyd. Um, you've, you've really gotten into, it sounds like centerfire and rimfire both. What can you tell us about how you balance, um, competitive world, especially now that you guys are match directors, officially, um, how, how do you balance that with family time? I'm very fortunate that my wife is very forgiving in my hobbies and interests and, uh, and encourages me to take that, uh, that time as, as a, a good way to mentally unwind and unplug from all the other stresses of, of society, life, and family. So she's a big supporter. She really does help out. She's forgiving with me and my traveling. I used to travel a lot for, for work, so I'm, I'm able to be home more now. So she's a, a little used to me being gone once in a while. Um, but if, if it wasn't for uh, solid family life, it wouldn't be able to be sustainable. Uh, she, she definitely is, like I said, the, uh, the catalyst and the encourager for that. And I'm just trying to figure out a way to get her out a little bit and, and involved. My, my boy is a little wild still and young and as he, as he grows up and gets a little more mature and ready, we, I think we may do this more as a family, but that, that balance is, is um, it, a lot of it comes from her, you know, being, I mean, we're, we're a solid couple and that helps a lot. So we can, uh, we can, we can separate once in a while, do our fun things. And I, I give her little treats once in a while. She gets away and goes to hotels or does fun things for herself because she knows that I'm, I'm away, but um, that's, I mean, Honestly, my balance is because of her, you know, she, I don't want to say allows it, but she facilitates it for sure. And being, you know, being just an absolutely great person and, and really helps me out with that. Um, but otherwise I, you know, like I said before, all encompassing is, is almost an understatement. There's, there's so many other hobbies and interests that I've had that, that um, this, that have been pushed to, to, to the curb, so to speak. Um, but I absolutely, uh, I'm just grateful to be here in Northern Utah, especially because we really have no shortage of matches that we can attend at any given time, quite close as well. So sometimes that's the, my biggest dilemma is where I'm shooting, not, not, a, not a, if I get to shoot. Yeah. 
you guys have some really, really awesome facilities out there too. And a lot of match directors, if I'm not mistaken. So I know Hobble Creek is one and I think they currently hold the record for the most number of participants in a single match, a uh, monthly match, which I think was like 90 or something ridiculous. Yeah. Insane. yeah I think they ran, we was doubled up stages that day to get everybody through. So we had two of every stage to, to push everybody through in a timely manner. I don't know that that's ever happened at a, at a monthly before. No, I think, uh, I think that's still the only one. And I know when Justin and I were hosting matches out here, we, you know, work really hard to get, you know, 40 people at a match. And then we just get annihilated by Hobble Creek's attendance every month. And we're like, <laughs> dang it, Hobble Creek. Or, you know, the, the Missouri misfits would give us a run for our money quite often too. But, um, well, now but you got with, with Kent's match, he, he's, he's drawn in a, a little over a year. That match has absolutely exploded. And, uh, now it's back and forth between, uh, you know, like the matches you, you mentioned at Hobble and Kent's match. And, and we, we are definitely not lacking in, in shooters in this region. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't care what you say, Boyd, about all the shooters out there being just easy for you to beat all the time. I feel like you guys have some really talented shooters. So I felt very honored to be in, in fifth place last weekend. I was uh, ecstatic because I felt like I shot really well. So there were a couple of points that I left on the table, but, but I really felt like I was shooting well. And to come in fifth, you know, I was really happy about because you guys have just crazy, crazy uh, talent out there. And I know you know, the ability to get out and shoot every weekend probably helps with that. Well, it definitely helps. I don't think that's quite how I said it verbatim, but uh, I would have been happy with the fifth place finish at that match too. I'd have been happy with the top 20 finish in that match, quite frankly. Yeah, you guys are uh, a whole different, whole different level out there. Um, so speaking of which, what, what's your typical weekend look like how often are you shooting matches versus you know just going to the range to plank or practice and and maybe it's not a weekend maybe you guys go weekdays too but what does that kind of look like for you guys out there well for me um i'm taking it easy this year and i think i've only shot four matches so far this year and we're talking calendar year so i've had a couple of weeks off so six weeks seven weeks seven weeks into the year now we are and you've only shot yeah. four matches. Slacker. Something, something like that. Well, I, I got to, you know, I'm pacing myself. What about for you, Jared? With the winter being what it has been so far, it's been a little bit easier to take a break and, uh, and kind of stay inside a little. But we do try to get out. And I mean, we have some weeknight practice that, that we, we have the ability to go to and, and shoot at a facility. And then um, for practice, like we'll go out, the boy and I go out quite a bit out the, just out to the West Desert and we'll set up practice stages. We'll, we'll, you know, run kind of drills loosely, probably spend a little bit too much time on our belly because we're lazy and, and just enjoy and see how far we can punch out steel. But um, we, again, we have so many matches. It's, it's almost at times tough to practice because your weekend is full of shooting matches. So that, like, again, it goes back to being blessed with so many, so many options for us, but it, it is fun to get out a little bit, but I, I think we both slowed down just a touch and this match, uh, we, you got to admit to boy, we didn't get out and practice or shoot much because the moment that we agreed to do this just before Christmas, this, 
I've not shot this little in a long time, but yet be so involved with a match, you know, or matches. So it, that, uh, that'll change here a little bit. I'm sure shortly once the snow melts off, we got hit again real hard yesterday. So I, it's, it's been tough just because of that. Yeah. We got uh, quite a bit of snow up here too. I think we got like 18 inches or 16 inches, something like that with blowing winds. So that's been fun. Um, makes it, makes it tough to, uh, to practice when you have to put on like eight layers of clothes, just to, just to go outside. Easy to want to stay home that day, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for those of us like me and who, who don't really like practice. Um, (laughs) all right. So on that note, what are the, what are the big matches on your list this year, uh, calendar year wise? Well, definitely Paul's match coming up here shortly is, uh, that, that, that two day, two individual day, um, X matches, um, April 29th and 30th. I think that one is the brick brick burner. Yeah. I'd like to head down to, to, uh, Scotty and Mark's match down in New Mexico. And then definitely, um, the, uh, well, it'll be this year, but not this, this season, but it'll be your, uh, the Halloween match again out in Minnesota. And then if cameo, what, if it gets rescheduled, I don't know what's going on with that. They were, I haven't seen it on the calendar, but if that one pops up, we'd like, I'd like to shoot that one as well. But those are the ones for sure on my list. And I might fill in a few blanks uh, that I can't quite think of right now, but those are the, those are the big go-tos for, for, for at least for right now. What about you, Boyd? Uh, it'd be similar. Like I said, I'm focusing on rim fire and air this season. So here in a few weeks, I'll be heading to New Hampshire. There's a big air gun competition, which I'm excited for. It's new. It's at the SIG, uh, SIG Sauer facility, so that'll be pretty neat. Uh, there's the Rocky Mountain Air Gun Challenge coming in June, so I'd like to go back and try and defend my title there. In between all that, I'll have a few X matches, like he mentioned. With uh, Scotty's been a big supporter of us. He's come up this way and shot these matches, and we've been with him in cameo. So we're definitely going to try and get down there. I'll see you out in uh, Minnesota in May. Um, just really any any long range rimfire match that I can get to uh, in preparation for Italy is going to be my big focus with those couple of big air gun matches thrown in. Nice. So I know you guys have mentioned a few times um, you've been, you got talked into hosting the Rimfire Revival last weekend. So (laughs) who wants to, to tell us the story of how this came about, you know, who talked you into it and what were your thoughts and what made you guys say yes? I'll take that one. (laughs) So he's the one one that called me on it. Well, okay. So Jared's, Jared's memory is a little fuzzy. Um, for about the last year and a half, maybe longer, Jared's been in my ear about um, wanting to, well, it's been basically since we've shot your match, yours and, and Justin's match. Uh, you guys put the passion into this sport. And so when we went out there together and shot those matches, Um, we realized that we were lacking some of that thing. And so for the last year and a half or so, Jared's been in my ear like, hey, we should shoot a match. And then, like he mentioned, oh, a a day or two before Christmas this year, um, Paul Dallin, a good friend of ours, um, he didn't really ask. (laughs) I think he more, 
doesn't ask. He asks without asking. I, I think he pretty much just called me and told me that uh, we were going to take over a match. And I think I, I got off the phone with him and about 30 seconds later, I was on the phone with Jared telling him, hey, you know, all that be careful what you wish for crap that you <laughs> said. And so I just, you know, I just ran that down the downhill, right? Paul told me we were running a match and I told Jared he's helping. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I mean, both of us, we love this sport. We're very passionate people. And, and we both have a pretty solid work ethic. And so we, we jumped right in. I think it was literally probably what the two, two days or so before Christmas. And I think the day or two after Christmas, we hopped in the truck, drove down to price, scoped out the area, which was completely different than no <laughs> than snow experience no snow no yeah. snow when we looked at it terrain was all good we could hike out easy was, no big deal dry and beautiful <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah i mean we we just pretty much jumped in head first at that point and and started we both shot a lot of matches and and as jared mentioned earlier we practice a lot out in the desert and so there's lots of various stages rattling around in both of our heads and and we started putting pen to paper and just working out the logistics to make it happen nice what was the biggest shift um in terms of going from a participant in a match to to directing a match or hosting a match um that you noticed how about jared you want to tell us yours first oh stress you just want to do it right it, it's easy to show up in the morning shoot go home have a great day uh, it, it, um, the pressure was on because like once people knew that we were going to host this match, I felt like we had these enormous shoes to fill that, that we didn't even know were there. I mean, people truly were expecting a, a fantastic match. Like the, the ex excitement level went through the roof. Everybody that we talked to couldn't wait, couldn't wait. I mean, they were just, I mean, we sold out in uh, 10 or 11 days and our wait list and people. So it, that's what it was the stress, the pressure of, of giving everybody what they wanted. I mean, I, and I joked with, with Boyd and everybody else, like, it's like they were borderline expecting Ferris wheels for, for, for to be shooting off of. I mean, it was, I kept telling people it's going to be a rifle match. You're going to shoot. It's going to be fun. But it, it was the, the expectations out of the, our local community. It, it seemed like it was, uh, that was the pressure It was almost overwhelming. And we hope we delivered on that and, and gave people that that excitement and that 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 uh, filled that that uh, expectation that they that they were looking for. But um, definitely the biggest difference was we now know what it takes to create a, a fantastic match. It's, it's one thing to show up and shoot and have a sandwich and, and get a trophy. But, man, everything that it takes to get there now, it's a you know, new respect for every match director out there. Uh, so that's definitely the, 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 the difference in the jump uh, that, that we took. And thank God we, we, we do it together. Doing this right is, is dang near impossible to do by yourself. I think it, it's uh, you need to have someone solid that you can, you can bounce stuff off on, rely on and, and make sure and, and ideas change and you got to be fluid with stuff. So it's a, uh, it was a, a fantastic life experience and, a, and a, an amazing learning experience for, for, uh, me as an NRL competitor, it just, uh, I was super grateful that we did it. Looked forward to, to doing it again, but 
definitely that's the that's the difference yeah yay right <laughs> i'm i'm excited you guys are gonna do it again i was gonna ask you so you guys are hosting again or maybe i should just tell you that you're hosting again <laughs> yeah we, we've heard it we're doing it again and and to quote boyd uh next time we're doing it big oh ooh, i'm excited now because there were i think weren't there like 94 shooters at this match yeah, yeah, that's a lot of shooters. That's that's one of the largest matches uh, for one day. I know it's up there. So, you know, what does doing it big mean? I'm excited. Or are we not <laughs> supposed to know? It's like part See, of the excitement. We we only I mean, seven weeks is about what we had to get this done. And it, it was tight. And even like working with sponsors and, and prize table donation stuff that um, well, I'm sure we'll get into. But we had the Christmas holiday and that whole first month or so is shot show and sheep show and western hunting car i mean there's these guys are out and gone and what we were able to accomplish through i mean relentless nagging i think was able to uh, to get us to where we were for for that aspect of, of the prize table but um that again goes back to what what we really we you hear but you truly don't understand until you make that leap from competitor to to director uh, then you really truly see what what it takes to run these matches yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys did a phenomenal job. Can I just say with the, the course of fire was super fun, super challenging, um, really tested a lot of different skill. Um, but that prize table, man, and that's coming from me. And I put hundreds of hours in, <laughs> into our prize tables. So that was remarkable. Um, I, I might've been a little bit jealous uh, <laughs> at some of the things that you guys were able to get. So phenomenal job. Obviously you guys put a lot of effort in um, to, to all those different things. Um, Boyd, what, what are your thoughts? What was, uh, the, the big experience shift for you? Well, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't top that answer. Jared pretty much nailed it, you know? So for me, it's just, I, everything I do, I want to, I want to leave a mark. Right. So we just went at it head first and, uh, just tried to give the people what they paid for. Well, you guys did a really good job in it. It looked like you guys had some really good support staff to, you know, feeding us dinner and, and getting things done, which is always helpful. I know from experience. So, but I, I think you're absolutely right, Jared, having a partner in this is so necessary. Um, I don't know how people who are, who are putting these matches on um, solo or designing a course of fire solo do it. Um, I, I would not be able to do this alone. That's for sure. Awesome. So on that note, do you guys want to give us a teaser on what we can expect for the next Empire Revival? I'm hoping it's not in February, maybe not in February. It won't be in February. That, that's your big teaser right there. I guarantee not be you. In February. Uh, for people who weren't there and haven't heard me say it already, this was remarkable. And I'm from Minnesota, so I've seen every kind of snow there is but never all in the same place on the same day. So I could not believe we had blocks of ice, you know, melted snow, rehardened, slippery. We had, you know, this, this like quicksand like snow that was like two feet deep. We were trying to schlep through from stage to stage that you just sink into. We had this, you know, frozen crusty layer of ice that you would break into up to your knee every so often unexpectedly. And then we also had this like melted muddy situation where you'd slip all over the place. It was, it was, a an experience I'll say, um, never experienced we, that in my life. It was challenging for you guys. I mean, us just setting that match up was, was tough, but 
uh, we were got no one slipped and fell and got hurt that we know of, but it was with our freeze thaw cycles that we've been getting out here. You're right. It's, and we've been having avalanche problems out here this year, but we really, I mean, they say it, Utah has the greatest snow on earth. It is that light powder. You can step in three feet of snow and it'll compact down to about an inch. So it's a, almost impossible to, to walk through when it's like that. But with these, uh, these conditions that you guys had to shoot in that, that week prior, it had, it was even challenging for us. You'd walk on solid snow and then punch through past your knee. And uh, it makes for unsure uh, footing, but we tried to do what we could to, with all our back and forth and walking around, trying to create at least, at least a few paths for you guys. But it was still a, a very treacherous at times footing for you guys, especially with guns and packs and being fatigued and, and mentally thinking about the match. So we're glad nobody uh, took a spill or, or dumped their gear. Well, I definitely took several spills, but I didn't spill <laughs> anything and not with my rifle. I was very grateful for for that. I'm really good at falling on my butt though. It's just lots of practice, many years of practice. Uh, so that definitely would not, we, we, we picked up a time and date location for when this needed to be done. We will, uh, we will pick a prettier time for price and a drier time for price, uh, uh ne next time. And for us as well as match directors to try to set it up. Deal. Well, you might have to set up two of every stage to get everyone through because I have a feeling you guys are going to sell out again. And Boyd isn't good at saying no to people. I think he, he said <laughs> you guys want in on their match. You just have to message Boyd directly and he's not going to tell you no. Yeah. I right. haven't been good ever at saying no. <laughs> we talked about that a lot and, and nobody wants to turn anybody away. Like We've always agreed on that. And it's you got shooters locally and far that, that missed the deadline. Well, just we wanted to make room for them and it, and it, and it worked out fine. It, it, it was no issues to have a couple extra shooters show up. Yeah, absolutely. You guys did a really good job keeping things going. I really liked the method you shared at the beginning. It took us a while as a squad to get in, in uh, the group on that. So for, for people who weren't at the match, um, Boyd suggested at the beginning, the first person in the squad to shoot stays at the stage and they help to run the tablet and run shooters through or spot or something like that. But that person stays on that stage. Shooters number two and three, as soon as they're done shooting, they go to the next stage to get their dope and uh, get the targets all figured out because they're the first two up on the next stage. And that seemed like it was a really good method. It didn't work perfectly for us. I think we had half of our squad or like three quarters abandon us at one point. And I was like, hey guys, we still need spotters back here. But once we got in a groove after the first few stages, it, it did end up working really well. Um, and I thought that that was pretty beneficial. So we might, we might mirror that at our, our match. We'll see. It, it definitely, it's a, Boyd has a great plan of that. That's, that's from his experience of shooting a lot of matches, but it's definitely squad dependent. If your squad disappears and abandons you, 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 you it's like herding cats all day. You look up from doing dope and you're half your squad's gone. The, all the, the most efficient uh, match briefing ahead of time is not going to save a squad from, from itself if they're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's where we're, we're really blessed to have uh, a lot of volunteer ROs. So we can usually dedicate two ROs to a stage um, for the most part. Occasionally we have only one RO, but that, that really helps keep things flowing for our stuff. Um, but that's really tough on a, on a seven week <laughs> time span to get that many volunteers maybe you waitlist people and if they come RO, then they get on guaranteed spot for next year. There's an idea. Maybe. Yeah. There you See go. It? This is why it's good to have conversations because now we're brainstorming. This is good. Um, 
Well, thank you guys so much for, for being on and sharing. Um, you know, I've, I've been wanting to get you guys on here and to share your thoughts and ideas. And it was kind of cool, uh, getting a chance to come out and shoot your match last weekend. I was really glad that I ended up, ended up making the trip, um, out before we go, are you guys okay helping us answer some questions from viewers? Yeah, sure. All right, good. Just remember that now once once I start reading these questions. Just, just <laughs> kidding. That'll be good. Um, so the first question is from Teresa. I'm sure all of our, our um, subscribers are super surprised that Teresa would write in because um, she's never written a question before. Um. She wants to know what's the main differences between PRS and NRL 22. So I will start with this one and then you guys should add some history here, or you can give the, the Western, the Utah perspective on this. So you're talking uh, about but, PRS 22 and NRL 22? Well, she said PRS and NRL 22. So I, I think, yes. Okay. So essentially NRL and PRS both started in the center fire world. Then NRL 22 was born. Um, and then a few years later, PRS Rimfire was born, right? So there really isn't a lot of difference at face value between the two. They're just two different leagues and two different organizations creating the rules for those leagues. Um, now, I think, and you guys tell me, because I'm in the Midwest, um, there's, a, there's a little more PRS on the East Coast and a little more NRL on the West Coast. That's what I, that's what I hear pretty frequently. I would, I would agree in the rim fire side, but we have a, we have a very strong showing of PRS and center fire out here as well. On the rim fire side, at least in our region, we're, we're, we're definitely stronger on the, on the NRL side uh, for, for the rim fire. Yeah. And I haven't noticed I've shot PRS rim fire matches in NRL, obviously a lot of NRL 22. I haven't noticed a whole lot of difference um, culturally between the two matches in terms of there's not like a, a consistent stage design difference or anything like that. It's really more region-based. And, and I know a lot of um, regions will have, you know, the same match directors will put on an NRL 22 match um, and then they'll put on a PRS center fire match and things like that. I think uh, decently often, or at least the same facilities would host, you know, potentially both. Have you guys experienced anything different out there? I mean, I, I feel like our PRS 22 and, and the, uh, the NRL 22 X series, at least in our areas are, are, are very similar. It, it's a, it, like for us, it's the field style match with, with, you know, props. You don't really know the course of fire until day before or day of, you don't know what to expect. And they get their longer distances, potentially shorter par times, but they're, uh, like I said, back in this region there, yeah, it might be, uh, the same facilities you're shooting at. So it's the same props, um, but that, uh, there's there's some very small nuances and rules that I I, I don't understand, but it, it's uh, they feel very similar to me. I'll shoot either one of them and have just as much fun. Boyd Boyd probably is you know, much stronger on the rules and what would be like some of those differences, but I mean, he might be able to speak to that. So the the biggest difference that I would add to all of that is you're comparing NRL 22X to PRS Rimfire. And I would agree with all the previous statements. Those are very similar. Um, but the regular monthly NRL 22s are substantially different um, in the sense that 
the NRL publishes that course of fire. Everybody across the nation shoots the same course of fire. It's very much so designed for new shooters and, uh, and inclusion. The 100-yard cap in the very beginning, now we have option two, but the 100-yard cap, standard props, um, it's very much designed that anybody across the nation, no matter where they're at, can host matches and bring people into the sport. Yeah, that's a really good call out, Boyd. And I will say, if um, those that are listening that have never shot one of these matches, I would highly recommend getting out to a monthly match first before you try a 22X match, just because they're, you know, prescribed, like Boyd mentioned there, you can look online and read the course of fire in advance and kind of know a little bit of what to expect when you get there. Uh, and they're a little bit more beginner friendly. I know we, we had two guys on our squad at your guys's match last weekend. And after the first stage, I said, so you guys are, are you guys newer to the sport? And they're like, this is our first match. And I was like, okay, all right okay. then. And I, I had to tell them cause I read the course of fire. I said, this is one of the hardest matches I've been to, or not hardest, but most challenging. I'll say just the, the round count was really high and the distances were far. And I knew because I shot at this range uh, a couple of years ago once, the winds can be really tricky, especially for those of us that don't live out there in the mountains like you stinkers do, <laughs> how you can somehow magically read the wind. Um, so I, I had to tell them that because I really wanted them to understand that this experience to, you know, at that match is not what it's like all the time. Um, and that if they show up to a monthly match, they'll, they'll probably get on more targets. So that was a little recommendation from me to, to hit those monthly matches first. It's a um, good recommendation. So I don't know the answer to this actually, really not, not with any sort of certainty. So this is a good one. Either one of you might be able to answer. What is the history or background on the term Kentucky windage? <laughs> Jared. Uh-huh. Some days that's, I mean, I feel like I'm shooting with it, but I don't really know the, the, the background of it, so, uh, the, the true background of it. We're on the wrong coast for that answer, apparently. <laughs> well, I will have to, I'll have to ask uh, again sometime. My uh, interpretation based on, you know, a few, uh, a few times hearing this in, in context is that essentially Kentucky windage is you're not going to measure it you're just going to kind of feel it out and, and look around and take your best guess and hope it hits. <laughs> but I don't know how accurate that is. So someone, if someone does know the answer, also please write me and tell me um, or send me a link to the story. Cause that'll be, that'll be good to learn. That's a good question. So, so far. I like your answer. I think that works. Yep. just wing it. Yeah. <laughs> send it hope and prayer for the best. Um, which is, you know, I think I live my life by Kentucky windage sometimes. So, <laughs> um, and then, uh, her other question is, oh, this will be really interesting. If either of you know the answer to this, I, I kind of doubt you do, but, um, Teresa also wanted to know based on our last podcast with Justin, um, that he had his on shoots in his safe. She wants to know where he got it originally. Where there's Justin a, got his answers. Yeah, there's a quiz for you guys. Anyone know the answer to that? Um, from Germany. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, from Germany originally. No, he uh, he actually got it from someone through the Anschutz North America Custom Shop. I think um, he met the gentleman through his work at Federal, and they ended up. Um, I don't know if he bought it from him or or they did a trade or something like that. But he essentially got this rifle, thought it looked nice, threw it in a safe, found out about um, 22 Precision rifle and then uh was like oh i'll just pull this 22 long rifle out it looks like it could do the job and now here we are five six years later and and he uh he's winning national level matches with that thing so it's kind of kind of fun that's the gun also that i started with um so now we have a question from dirk coates he says we shoot generally from 50 to 350 yards your rifle might shoot under an inch at a hundred, but starts to open up wider and wider as you start pushing it out there. What size target should you be able to hit at these distances in order to consider your setup competitive? So he wants to know that beyond a hundred yards, what size targets should you be able to hit out to 350 yards for your rifle to be considered competitive? Want me to take this? Yep. Yes, please. Sure. <laughs> So that's an excellent question. <laughs> and if you knew the real answer, you, you could be the next match director. Um, I'll tell you what we do. So our measure basically starts at 2 MOA. And we come to that conclusion. You still hear me good? We come to that conclusion. Um, if I stick... 10 people on the line or 100 people on the line or any number of people on the line and they all lay down on their belly, I want 80% of those shooters to be able to hit the target every time. And so two MOA tends to be that number. Now with rimfire, once we get out into that 150 yard range and beyond 180 yard range, you need to start growing that. So um, that's a good baseline. And then again, that's assuming a proned out shooter stable position. If you're shooting off of barricades or other uh, factors, you know, time factors or any other stressors that you're having, then we're going to add to that. As far as what I would consider my own personal rifle, um, I think at at 300 yards, I, I can't remember. What, what were we at? 254 was our farthest target. And I think it was yeah. a 10 inch, it was a 10 inch plate. And that was very forgiving. So that's about five MOA. And we put that target on the first target so that a lot of people could hit it. And, and we walked that down to sub, sub two. I think we're one and a half MOA was our furthest at that KYL rack. It was not um, big enough. Just... Your <laughs> it, it was plenty big enough. And, it, and as a matter of fact, in that entire match, I think it was hit about three times. Yes. So out of exactly. nine, <laughs> but in all fairness, everybody only got one shot at it. Yeah, that's true. So, and also, it makes me feel a lot better because I haven't looked at the, the score breakdown yet. So, yeah, I think only um, very few people cleaned it. Very few people. Um, so yeah, to answer the question, I, I would say at, at a hundred yards, you should be one to one and a half MOA 
and at at 300 yards if you're in the three to four moa category you're probably pretty competitive what about you jared how, how do your uh rifles line up with that uh, I, I would agree it, and we spent a lot of time talking about this where uh if our stages were on a much more solid prop or if they were on a little bit something that was uh, a little more shaky, we, we would factor that in in our size. But yeah, we that two to three MOA for, for rimfire for most guys is, is where we were trying to think about each one of our target sizes for, for at, at distance. Yeah, one of the things that you have to consider too with rimfire, the further you go out is the consistency of the ammunition that you're shooting, right? So yeah, it's not always about what's the smallest group you can shoot because you want to know not just how, how small is your group, but how frequently are you getting um, rounds that drop off and how far down are they dropping? And that's why we didn't push out. I mean, at 250-ish yards, it's still within the, the realm of the, the reliability of the rimfire and the, the, the rifleman or the marksman's ability to hit stuff. You, you get out in the, we feel like it, as match director, you know, we, you need to have a 450 yard target, but, but why it's got to either be, it's going to be huge and you got to worry about it. Did, did, you know, can you see it? Did you hit it? The target indicators work. You can do a lot with less distance and, and rely a little bit more on that uh, consistency of the rimfire ammo, not getting into luck and or, and or just an enormous target. I mean, nobody wants to hit a 48-inch plate at, at 450 yards because they felt like they needed a target that, that far. So having that stuff in a little bit kind of keeps with what you said, that consistency of, the, of that ammo, because it isn't, we're not shooting hand loads here. Absolutely. And I, I think that more than nobody really wants to hit a target at that distance that's that large. No one wants to try to spot a 22 hitting, hitting <laughs> like exactly. of a target. Uh, awesome. Well, that's it for our questions from viewers. So um, I'm going to let each of you, you know, just wrap up with one, one thing that you want to share with our listeners that maybe you haven't said yet um, or you know, if you have anything else to add based on the conversation, now would be the time. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go. Um, I would would say I would imagine that most of these listeners are involved in this sport at some form or fashion. Um, I would like to encourage those of you that are on the outskirts to just get in. Um, I absolutely love this sport. I've met amazing people in this sport and I've had really amazing opportunities provided to me as a result of this sport so I would I would leave it at that just just come in and try it and if you regret it then you can send me an email <laughs> but I don't think I don't think that you will um, it's it's good fun and the community is amazing and I just want to share that with everybody else Good answer. What do you have, Jared? I am so grateful that I found this, this world, this community. I mean, and, and, I mean, just God bless this community. I have made so many friends. I have such a good time. I mean, truly, 
when, when I'm there at a match, no matter what's going on with work or life or, or, or anything, I am, I am mentally there. I'm focused. It washes away everything from the week. It's, it's pure enjoyment. And I encourage you to, to, to bring new shooters in, to, to introduce people to it. It's, it's good for the firearms community, the whole 2A community, but it, it's such a family friendly, well, just warm group of people that, that uh, I am, like I said, just so grateful that they are in my life. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to more matches coming up and doing it again. I feel like I'm absolutely addicted to something that is wholesome and good. And, and I'm just very excited to get my family more involved and, and, and get out. It's the, the, the next match is going to be the best match is, is the way I look at it. That's awesome. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for being on and, and sharing with uh, me and all of our listeners. You guys are, are uh, you know, rock star match directors now, not just rock star <laughs> people and rock star shooters. So I really appreciate it. Um, and to our listeners, keep sharing the love.